Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Bible and Banter. I'm Eric Reynolds, joined with uh, with Mike Alex, and uh, we're going to talk about baptism today. So I'm trying to convince Mike that, that he should get baptized. Um, and yeah, so that's what we're talking about, man. Baptism, life stuff, all that jazz. So yeah, man. Um, so, so how you doing, man? Like we said that we'd save some of the banter and some of the stuff that we wanted to talk about until we're on air, unless it was stuff we couldn't put on air. So (laughs) we already did, we already did the off air talk of stuff that we could not talk about on air. Um, so is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we could talk about, uh, on air? Not really. I, while we were talking, I got a call from my kids, uh, school kind of elaborating more on their removal of masks in the schools Mm -hmm. as we send our kids to pagan school. So, um, no, I'm, I'm tired. As I mentioned, there's lots of stuff going on there mentally and emotionally draining, but outside of that doing pretty well. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. We'll be sending our kids to pagan school next year. So, uh, my kids are excited for that. They can come out from the thumb of our, my authoritarianism. Um, (laughs) But they're in for a rude awakening, man. Because uh, whether or not you're done with your schoolwork, you're still stuck there. And in homeschool, yep. if you're done with your schoolwork, you can go do whatever you want. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So that's a big change. Um, so, Mike, you, you 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 didn't notice. You didn't comment on my beautiful haircut. Uh, I got a haircut this morning, and I had been like I'm like two months overdue for a haircut. Like. Mm-hmm. It was, it was incredible. It was super long, longer than I ever like it to get. But my barber, I didn't know this, my barber had surgery. So when I went, like there's an app on my phone that I can sign up for a time to get to get my hair cut. And uh, he had blocked out a bunch of time. And I thought it was just like he was just super busy, but he actually had he had uh, surgery, a couple of surgeries. Uh, so the first time I could get in was this morning. And I drive about 30 to 35 minutes to, to go get my hair cut. Uh, because the guys, uh, the guys at Air Force Vet, uh, it's a really cool place. Like it's really old school, um, as far as barbershops concerned. Um, the guy's got a big old beard, really cool dude. Really like him. Well, uh, you know, we're leaving. So I wanted to make sure I could get my haircut in before we left. So I let it kept letting it go so I could make sure I could get in. And, uh, cause you don't, you know, I don't want to ghost my barber. Like, mm. I feel like I feel like the relationship a man has with the person who cuts his hair is a very deep relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so, a very, I have a very deep relationship with the person who cuts my hair. Is it your wife? It is. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, like, I, I find there are two things. There are two things if that, like two professions that I think I could do that I would enjoy um, because of the pastoral aspect of it. One of which is a barber. The other one is a bartender uh, mm-hmm. because you will tell your stuff to your bartender and to your, to your uh, barber and their lips are sealed. Generally speaking, I can't speak for like a salon or anything like that, but the the solemn relationship I have with my barber is exactly that it is. It is a, it is, we're, we're, we're close, man. I love this guy. He's, he's great. So it was kind of sad to have to break up with him this morning. Well, on my way, uh, and the reason I had to break up was because we're, we're moving back to Massachusetts. Um, and he's happy for us and all that stuff. He's doing well with recovery from his surgeries. It was good. But, uh, I got pulled over this one on my way on, on the highway. Hmm. I was, so I get pulled over, man. And I saw the cop and I, and I'll tell you, every time I see a cop, I go, oh, snap. And then I, I'm able to get by the police officer and nothing happens. And it's just kind of like, whew, this time something happens. He, he flips around, the lights go on. And like, I'm, I'm almost at the, I'm at this place on, it's not, it's on 95 and it's in between like two on ramps and off ramps. So I'm like trying to figure out. Like, where do I pull over? Where's the best place for me to pull over? And like, he gets right up on, like, I slow down and then, and I signal, but like, he's right on my tail. So I'm thinking like, I really hope this cop doesn't think I'm like trying to speed off or anything. Uh, I'm just trying to find the safest place for him and for me to pull off. Uh, 
So I, I get to that place. He, he comes over and he says, uh, sir, uh, did you know that you were doing 81 in a, uh, in a 65? And I said, uh, yes, sir, I did. In fact, I thought it was an 82 in a 65. <laughs> and he, he kind of chuckled and he asked for my, for my driver's license. And he asked, uh, he said, so, sir, was, is there any reason why you're trying to speed, you know, why you're going so fast? And I said, uh, yes, I'm late for my, uh, I was going to say hair appointment, but I thought that was kind of <laughs> questionable. So, so I said, yeah, I'm, I'm running late for my haircut. Um, and then, so he goes, he, and I asked him, do you want my light? Do you want my registration? Do you want all that? And he said, he said, no, you're, you're fine. I'll just take your license. And I'm like, okay. So he goes, obviously runs my license, probably my license plate sees that I don't have any violations. I've not had a ticket in a very long time. And even that ticket was a, 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 a warning. So then he comes back and says, all right, Mr. Reynolds, um, you're free to go. I'm just going to ask that you, uh, you slow down and, have fun at your haircut because you need it. <laughs> I'm like, man, I just got roasted by the cop, man. Uh, but I will gladly take the roasting uh, to yeah. avoid the, the ticket. So I, I, I'm grateful for that, man. I'm just thankful your car was registered and someone didn't forget to register your vehicle. Dude, I registered only a couple of weeks ago. So because it's new, like I got a new truck. So, um, so I, yeah, I got a new truck. Yeah, and how, I had to. Yeah, go ahead. How how are gas prices down your way? Uh so last night I paid three ninety nine a gallon. Oh wow, lucky you. Yeah, well, wow. yeah, I don't know what to tell you. We're very close wow. to um a place where a pipeline comes in and they run the gas off. So yeah, three ninety nine for uh eighty seven. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, we're up to about four. 42430 up here. Oh, 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 oh my god. Oh, golly, man. How you got to take out a mortgage just to fill your gas tank up, man. Yep. Yep. Wow. No, yeah, yesterday I found a cheaper place that was around 379 right uh -huh. actually near the church and no joke um th three four three or four hours later it had jumped to 409. Wow. Wow. Well, I was reading something because uh, it's funny, man. Everyone's an economist. Everyone's an expert on everything, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't – listen, I'm not an expert on hardly anything. And, in fact, even the things I think I'm an expert in, I'm probably not. Mm -hmm. But, like, the simplistic takes that so many people have on whether it's Ukraine or uh, – or gas prices and or the economy and whatnot. I always know it's far more complicated than people, what people think. So, so I'll give you an example. I, I read an article and Hey, there could be flaws in the article, right? So I'm not telling you the article is hundred percent true or that anything. I'm just telling you, I read an article from a reputable source and, and they were saying that, yeah, if we turn the pipeline on and, and we, we got rid of uh, Russian oil and whatnot, the prices are going to go up and it's going to, it's going to take us time to find the barrels of oil to replace that, which we're getting from Russia, which if I remember correctly, it was only like 10 or 11% of our total oil supply. So like, okay, we could get some from Venezuela. We could get some from here. We could get some from there, but like the whole pipeline, the, the Keystone pipeline that people are talking about, that's not American oil. Like people, like it seems like the takes that people have had on social media is like, oh, just turn on the pipeline, and that way we're not we're not relying on foreign oil. It's like, no, it's it's Canadian oil. It's still foreign. It's just coming from a different place, and that's cool. Like I'm not a, but that they said that would take a couple of months to to take effect. They even said like to to um for the stateside oil, um that it's not something that you can just like put a drill drill in the ground real quick and then just pump the oil. It takes time of discovery, setting things up and all that. They said it would be a few months to a couple of years. So, so the, that, that should, should or could, depending on your perspective, be a long-term solution, but not a short-term one. So, mm. um, 
but I'm okay spending if it costs another fifty cents or a dollar more a gallon. If that were if that would cripple the Russian economy, I'm okay doing that in the short term um, to save the people of Ukraine. Uh, you know, but maybe that maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I I just I, I was talking to somebody this morning and just I don't know how people like elderly people who are on a fixed income. Mm can survive i mean i had to pay uh i i mean gas prices have been or oil prices here in maine were around two something uh before our president became president and and then it was you know creeped up above three and then just the other day i had to put in an order for 419 a gallon for oil and uh, a guy across the road uh across the in the next town over Ran out of oil in the night and had to call for an emergency deliver, and it was four ninety nine a gallon. Ooh, that's brutal. So, so I'm sitting here and I'm like, the elderly or and people on fixed income between gas and heating, and then uh, our our one out of two electric companies here in Maine. There's a monopoly up here, doubled their electricity rates. So a lot of people's electric bills this year have almost doubled, um, and so it, people are hurting and yeah. uh, and. Uh, yeah yeah energy energy uh, is is one of the most important things for us right because it affects everything so if oil goes up it affects the prices in the grocery store or in retail and stuff like that because you got to deliver it and it costs more to deliver you can pass that off to the consumer so you know it's it's a real problem and you know for those of us who are working uh if it's a problem for us it's an even greater problem for someone who is on a fixed income and can't get a job so um you know my heart goes out to a man uh yeah that's that's tough hopefully hopefully it's short-lived i don't know i know this i know i don't want nuclear war so so there's that you know like Mm -hmm. Uh, when people say, like, I've heard people, oh, we just need to do this. We just need to do that. Like, understand, um, for Russia, I don't think nuclear war is ever off the table. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, I don't want that. You don't, no one wants that. I don't think Russia wants that, but I think that if you back them into a corner enough, um, and they become desperate, you know, they don't. They don't give a rip about the environment. They don't give a rip about, you know, these other countries. So I don't know, man. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Josh Cheney writes, uh, margin in our financial lives and in our spiritual lives, our ability to weather the storms of life are determined by our margin. Time, energy. Wow, that's Josh Cheney. We need to have Josh Cheney come on here and give a pep talk, man. I mean, that's 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 solid right there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, if you ever need to replace me, I think he'd be a good fit. Yeah. Uh, he he's definitely much smarter. That's for sure. Yeah. Even though he's not a master of divinity quite like you, um, he is a brilliant. Uh, isn't Josh? Josh is a realtor, right? He's a real estate agent in addition to being a, a pastor there at um, Duntown. I, I think he has those qualifications. I'm not sure, Luke. Uh, not Luke. Uh, Josh, if you're still doing that uh, up north, but yeah, I'd be interested. Like, how what? So I know home prices across the country have ballooned, right? So I wonder what they're like there in the county. Um, was a realtor no longer active? So, so Josh, I'd be interested. Like, what does the market look like in the county up there? Uh, obviously, you're not a real estate agent, but I'm sure you you're still familiar with with what's going on. Because I just. I can't picture a lot of people move to the county, right? Like, if someone's buying a house in the county, they're probably grew up in the in in uh, a rootstock, right? Mike, wouldn't you know? You're like, I have no idea. I mean, closer than I am. Yeah, I have no idea. All I know is, in general, in Maine, most of the people buying houses are from out of state. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of people uh, they're moving here. So it's been a huge boost, he says. Nothing that you just said holds true. Okay. Hey, and I wasn't passing judgment. Like, I just, uh, I was just curious. You know, I, I try to, like, I think of, I think of Northern Maine the same way, like, I think of maybe North Dakota. Like, 
I don't see what the, I don't understand what the draws, but everybody has different draws too. So uh, that's cool. It's each their own, man. I think you have just unintentionally offended a whole sector of of the of the state of Maine, saying there's no draw in northern Maine. I mean, I'd be interested to know what it is. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just genuinely <laughs> curious. Like, why would all all I people, hear? Is, why would people, anybody ever want to move to northern Maine? That's all I hear coming. Uh, but someone might say the same thing about like, oh, why would you want to move to Worcester? Like there's traffic, there's a lot, you know, why would you want to, I get that. I get why people would feel that way. Um, so like, I guess the draw to Northern Maine, I've never been there. Granted, I can only go off of what other people have told me, but it's like, oh, there's plenty of space and you can, you know, there's, you're in the country and, and it's peaceful and it's beautiful. Great. That's wonderful. That's cool. I, I, I can get that. <laughs> uh, Josh, it is not have, Worcester. It's Wista. All right. It's Wista. So, uh, <laughs> um, so again, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to be insulting. I was just, I'm just genuinely curious. So, uh, maybe next time I see Josh. And now that I'm moving, uh, back to New England, I'm sure I'll see Josh at like a regional function or if the res- restoration network gets together and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to it. Josh is a great guy. Um, yeah. I mean, what, is there anything else that we need to talk about? Anybody else we need to insult, uh, while we're, before we move into the topic on baptism? Um, I thought you'd have more to share than just a, a nice, uh, benevolent police officer. Um, yeah, he was super nice, man. And like, I was, yeah. And I, you know, and also with like all the, with all the stuff that's been out there, like with police officers in the last few years, like I'm really even more super cautious. So like I put my hands on 10 and two where I wouldn't have done that previously. Um, Cause I don't want, I, like, I don't want, I want to make the officer feel safe and I know he wants me to feel safe too. So, um, yeah, so it worked out. Um, well, uh, did I tell you, did I tell you last week about how, um, I cussed in church in a sermon? You, pr- you might, you might have, I, oh. I honestly don't remember because I cuss all the time. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, 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 ref, I used the term damn Yankee. So, so I feel comfortable saying this is a, you know, this is, uh, anyway, th- th- like I, I looked at that as like, that's kind of like a, a, a gray area word. Um, so I kind of stepped in it a little bit. So I apologize to the church. I genuinely feel bad. Like, I, I guess I shouldn't have said that word because I wouldn't let my kids say that word. Uh, but um, yeah, so I stepped in it and I thought of you. Uh, I, I thought of you because of the whole Netflix and chill thing. Um, I, that's going on. Uh, yeah, man. Did I, did I tell you that I got a job at LBC? Mm-hmm. It'll yeah. start in May. So I got that. Uh Hey, I got my first two doctorate in ministry uh, course grades back, like the end of course grades. So I got an A and an A minus. Hey, um, look at you, buddy. Yeah, unfortunately. So I don't know how they grade, like once you get to the dissertation portion, but I was doing the the math. Um, you know how you can get like honors, graduation honors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So because I got the A minus, I don't, I don't know if I'll end up being able to qualify for gra- graduation honors. Man. So well, then what's the point of even finishing? I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed, man. Cause like I look at it and go like, Oh, well you got think, a degree, but you weren't at the top. You know, yeah, I, like, I honestly think you should quit now. <laughs> You're such a jerk, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying with um, all the, all the stress of the move and, and planting a church, I think cut, cut, cut it out, man. Just let well, it go. So I missed graduation honors from Liberty because I got a C plus in a class. Uh, like, and this was like four or five years ago. I got a C plus in a class. Uh, I left, like I stopped my degree, then came back and that C plus stuck. And I'm like, there's literally, I got, I think I got A's in everything else. I got that one C plus and I missed by just a hair graduation honors. And I was like, man, cause to me, it's like, Oh, you got a degree. Cool. Great. Uh, I, anybody can do it. 
Um, it's really not. It's really not that hard. But like to get honors, like to be reckoned. I mean, that's you know, that's just it's not happened. Uh, you know, the only time that happened was one time, and uh, I, I went to a leadership. Uh, it was like a two or three week long basic leadership course back in uh, in the army, and I got t- top ten percent, which was significant because that counts towards promotion and and all that stuff. So that was really significant. But yeah, so. Yeah, maybe I'll take some time off from the demon so I can lick my wounds. I don't know. But, yeah. Get a scalp massage. It'll help you feel better. There's less mm-hmm. hair to work through now. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm yeah. sorry. And I had done the math like prior to, like, I knew I was going to A minus in this other class. And the class I got an A in, I got a 99%. And I thought, like, I did the math, like, oh, maybe if I don't turn in this last assignment, uh, I won't have, like, I'll, maybe I'll still get an A. But I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to chance it. Now, it's like, shoot, man. Should just skip that last assignment. What does it even matter anymore? I know. Seriously, it doesn't. So quit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, so baptism, man. Uh, you wanted to talk about baptism. I think you're trying to figure out whether or not uh, you want to get baptized. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so how are you feeling there, man? How'd this, how'd this come up? Well, I've, I've, I've always wrestled on and on with this because as Advent Christians, we believe in, I, I don't want to talk mode of uh, baptism, but more about timing. And so okay. we're, we're believers, baptism people, you know? Well, it depends. We're not really in anything people. Okay. Well, according to our Declaration of Principles, we specifically outline baptism, believers' baptism by immersion. Like we get that specific. Yeah, but I want to okay. be. I want to be. I want to be clear for anyone who might listen. Um, <laughs> that is not binding. But that's not right. Binding. Right. So, so it's kind of like a the Declaration of Principles is a here's what we generally hold together, but no one has to believe this to be an Advent Christian. Right. But but generally that's the, the that's the view you're going to get when you walk into an AC church, right? It's kind of like a few months ago when I was talking with some other AC pastors, and I was kind of on the fence about uh, infant baptism and in believers baptism, and you know a few close friends were like, "Yeah, you know, uh, uh, this might not be the place for you." I mean, they weren't saying that it couldn't be an Advent Christian, but they were just saying like. You know, you got to really think about that and consider that, that, that. That's more settled than the Trinity for us. So, yeah, um, which is but... so fascinating to me. Like, I'd rather be open-handed about baptism and, and close-handed about the Trinity. But I digress. This, right, this is yeah. your this is your yeah. this is your topic, not so, mine. So, so oh. I've always I've always wrestled with specifically because we we do believers' baptism, but specifically, when do you know? Like, you know, let's be honest. Anybody worth their salt. Uh, I would say outside of a few circumstances would always like, I'm pretty sure this person's ready. You know, they have the answers, you know, they seem to be committed, yada, 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 especially adults. But then when you get to kids is where I really wrestle with is how do you discern when a kid is ready now? Uh And at what age? Like, uh, because we don't baptize infants because we have differing views on that, but is there age that's too young? Is it there, you know, should you not do anything at a certain age? Because oftentimes what I find is back in the day, especially when camp meetings and revivals were happening and, you know, Billy Graham crusades, people would have like this moment in time when they prayed the sinner's prayer, asked Jesus into their heart. And then it was clear the next step is a baptism class or, or to get baptized. Mm-hmm. But and that stuff still happens to some degree, uh, but uh, specifically with kids in families that are believers, I, I'm not quite sure it's as often today, especially in reformed circles, where you have this like light moment where the light bulb comes on and they're like, "I need to repent of my sins and pray the sinner's prayer." It, it's almost more of a process, mm-hmm. you know. There, there's not like this watershed moment, and so sometimes will almost like create the watershed moment. Like, well, if you really believe, then you need to say this prayer mm-hmm. and then we can baptize you. 
<clears throat> uh, and so I, I just I just wrestle with how which, but, which prayer is that? Well, it depends on what you mean by the, the sinner's prayer. I generally mean when I think of it uh, that you repent of your sins, you tell God that you know you're a sinner, you're sorry for your sins, that you believe in Jesus' work for the forgiveness of your sins, and that you desire to follow Him for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people add in that you ask Jesus into your heart. And, there, you know, some people give that a bad rap. I'm not opposed to it as long as, uh, you know, it has context. I think it's it gives good kind imagery. Like a, it gives so, good imagery for what the relationship you're having. So in that Jesus. scenario, are we making Jesus out to be a vampire where he can't come in the house unless he's asked? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but Jesus Christ vampire hunter? I look at it I look at it as more a visual like to help a, especially a child say, mm-hmm. you know what, you're you're giving your life to Jesus by having him come and change your heart. Mm-hmm. Not but again as reformed people were like, well the fact that you want that means he's already changed your heart. Right, you right. Know, and, so, and like so. Yeah, and I think, you know, Mike, I think it's important to talk about the reform circles too because i'm victim of this right like we try to be very specific in our language Mm -hmm. like we like processes typically um someone who's reformed usually isn't like scatterbrained like they like they they like processes um john calvin was a lawyer like he was a trained lawyer um so so there's like there's this wanting to tie everything up uh some lutheran brothers like to put it this way because there are some similarities and dissimilarities between lutheran theology and reformed theology and they like to put it this way uh reformed theology likes to tie everything up in a nice bow uh like like your shoelaces where where the ears are even in the bow in lutheran theology they're cool with with the bow having different sized ears like it's just normal for them mm-hmm. so when we talk about like the language here and i've said this like jesus don't uh jesus has doesn't have to wait to be asked into your heart like I, i've said those kinds of things multiple times in multiple different ways um but i think if we become too dogmatic and too uh fundamentalist about that uh, what we do, and this has happened to me where I had someone like question their own salvation because I'd said something from the pulpit. Um, and oh, I was, uh, it really, it really helped me understand how, how, that I need to be more cautious in how I say that because it is, it is a cultural expectation. It is like a cultural, uh, exactly. there is no, there is nothing in the Bible that says that you should need to, uh, or anything like that ask jesus into your heart or, or jesus is inviting you you're not the right. one doing the inviting yeah G- um, jesus jesus isn't on the nerd wall waiting for an invite into the game you're right. the one on the nerd wall jesus is inviting you into his kingdom right. and so like to to and so josh don't don't hear me saying that i agree that you need the sinner's prayer or that you know there's a sinner's prayer in the bible i will say that there is evidence for in prayer or open confession, acknowledging your sin before God, because at the end of Peter's sermon, the people say we're cut to the heart and they say, what then shall we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is there does need to be an acknowledgement and repentance. And whether that happens in prayer, you know, private or (laughs) Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. We don't often have a resident heckler. uh, So I appreciate it, but so the show's always better when Josh is watching. It's true. So when both so, Josh's are watching, yeah. when Josh when Josh Rice is watching too. But but we all but I think because we like processes and we like defining moments, we like altars built of stones and everything, that that was the moment I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so we've we've kind of signified that with with a prayer. Um, and I'm just trying, I'm just thinking through that. It's not always that cut and dry for, for Christians, especially children in a Christian home. And so I kind of wanted to like, just bounce off with you. Like, um, like how would you walk through that with a, with a child at, at varying ages, mm-hmm. especially you get a parent, like, I'll be honest, like a parent will say, I think my kid's ready, but I want them to talk to you. And I, I always say this, I'm like, I'm happy to sit down with your kid and you. But I want you to know something. Whenever I sit down with a child, 
they will be a different person when talking to me. Mm -hmm. So that free flowing conversations that you're having with your child will not happen probably with me because they feel like they're being, it's a different environment. It's a different situation. Mm -hmm. So I will often tell the parent, I trust you to know quite a bit about where your kid is at spiritually because Mm -hmm. you see them more intimately, more closely, more consistently. Yeah. So, so here's the mark that I use and and I'm not saying that you need to use this or anybody else. This is just what, what me, Eric Reynolds as a pastor uses. Um, I, I ask the child, I say, how fast can you recite the books of the Bible in backwards order? And if it's in more than 90 seconds, you're not ready for baptism. I think that's a fair, that's a fair test. Yeah. So, uh, so in that case, I'm also not saved apparently. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you, you will be judged in the same measure in which you judge, judge others. Right. So I've, I'm not ready for baptism. Um, so, uh, no, of course I'm, so I went to, um, I remember the first time I heard this term was at a Baptist church. It was called the, the age of accountability. You've probably heard, maybe you've heard that, maybe you haven't. And then I heard it in Bible college too. You know, when do you, uh, when do you baptize a kid? It was a Baptist Bible college and they got to get to the age of accountability. And it's like, oh, okay. So when is the age of accountability? Well, it's different for every kid. Oh, Okay. So like how? Um, well, you have to understand like uh, where's the inter- their inter- in- intellectual capability. And I go, okay. So what if they're uh, what if they have a mental disability? Well, then maybe you just wait a little bit longer. I'm like, okay. Well, but what if it's a severe mental disability and they 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 can't do any of this stuff, right? So can we not baptize them? Are they damned? Uh, no, 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 of course not. Of course not. Hey, maybe maybe wait until they're 18, 20 years old or something like that. And you go, wait, I do not see this in scripture. <laughs> like, like, help me here, right? So so there is a popular term that you can Google. It. I mean, the Baptists use it, and in, in it's the age of accountability. And I get what they're saying. Like, you want to make sure that kids understand the gospel, right? So at a minimum, do they know what the gospel is? Do they know that uh, salvation comes by way of the cross? Mm-hmm. Um, have they are are they are they just telling you they need to repent of their sins, or are they actually actively repenting of their sins? And, and that's going to look different for say a seven year old, a twelve year old, and a thirty five year old. So so you kind of have to look at it within their context. So are they genuinely are they genuinely sorrow? Is there genuine sorrow? when they do something wrong and that sorrow is directed towards God first and then those around them. So that's what, so can they do, can, is that active? Mm. And they might not even be able to articulate that to you, right. In, in a way that is easily understandable. So you have to kind of listen for things and try to understand it at their level because they might not have the language for it. So, so I think there are just some of those things that you have to consider. Um, so if you want to baptize a five-year-old or, or a seven-year-old, a 15-year-old, whatever, I think those are just some important things. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. And I think, and I think we as pastors and even churches need to get, cut some grace that sometimes we get it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, we might do it too early or we might do it too late. Mm-hmm. You know, we should have done it earlier because we could have, but, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, I, and I totally appreciate and wrestle with Meredith's question, you know, about reading through acts and there's define a lot of defining moments. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, I, I wrestle with acts in terms of what was described in the early church, as opposed to what was prescribed. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot, I find a lot of those defining moments were when the Holy Spirit was bridging a huge historical cultural gap. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we don't see everybody who comes to faith speaking in tongues uh, immediately. And you're not then saved I, unless you speak in tongues, right? <laughs> because I look at my, my 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 big like descriptive passage in Acts is when Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, mm-hmm. and I'm like are we making baptism too complicated? Mm-hmm. Because the guy is reading his Bible, doesn't understand it. Philip shows up miraculously on the spe- scene. Um, 
through him and the Holy Spirit, the guy's mind is illuminated. And they're like, there's water here. Why don't I get baptized right here? They didn't call a special church meeting. They didn't, you know, make sure that there were a bunch of, you know, witnesses necessarily. I mean, who knows who was there? I mean, maybe he was part of a group, bigger group to, to witness it, but he didn't go through baptism classes. <laughs> he didn't sit he down. He didn't? No, he didn't. But I mean, there was a, I mean, I think there's some church history here that sometimes people needed to go through a certain level of classes before they became members. Yeah, and, that, I mean, and, you look at the Didache and that was the case. Yeah, but we don't see that with the Ethiopian eunuch. And again, because I think, and, and I'm not saying classes are wrong, but have we made it more complicated? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, put, put something, put expectations on us on current day um, that aren't necessarily meant to be normative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I totally, I, I'm IDK just like, you know, Meredith. I mean, the, when we look at the book of Acts and how this stuff worked out, uh, there, there does seem to see, see a, a change in the heart and life of the person. Um, you know, but a lot of that was because they were convinced of something, um, you know, in the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and, and even in listening and uh, agreeing with your, description of repentance even that looks different shades with a child yeah based on you know they might not look like they're really repentant but there's Mm -hmm. because uh, a child might express that differently you don't really know Mm -hmm. what's exactly going on in their mind and heart Mm -hmm. um meredith brings up mark dever who's a favorite of mine um she she's not sure if it's mark dever who said it or not but uh, she says, you know, he, he would say, praise God, we'll see when someone wants to be baptized. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see the fruit based on whether or not they are, are saved or not. Here's, here's something I'm thinking about as we're talking, right? So I haven't fully thought this out. Don't judge me. I'm just trying to, I just want to offer this up. I wonder, Mike, um, you know, we draw our identity from Christ, right? Like we, we agree. We've been made in the image of God, and that image is being restored through uh, Christ's um, imputed righteousness to us and us conforming to his image. Um, okay, great. We agree on that. Can, like, like I... I I want to I hear this, right? So Jesus in Matthew 16, we've heard this time and again. Um, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. Um, <clears throat> so we're called to take up our cross. We're called to lose our lives. We're called to all this. Um, you know, I, I wonder... Can a kid make that decision? You know, can, can like, is a seven-year-old, does a seven-year-old understand what it means to lose their lives for the gospel? Um, it's kind of like these parents, man. I don't care if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, a liberal or a conservative. There are people who would agree that a, a child who's seven years old or even 12 years old or 15 years old, um, that they don't have the cognitive ability or or the understanding of of all of life to make a decision such as i want to change my gender i want i want gender reassignment surgery or, or whatnot but then we look at those who say no you should allow your kids to do that if your kid does want to change their gender it's child abuse not to let them do that that's a small segment of usually the far far left right um so and we look at that and go, you're literally insane. Like your seven-year-old playing, playing with the opposite gendered toys does not mean that they are that gender. It just might mean they have different interests. Most of us agree on that. I would say it's, it's, it's a huge decision. And this is coming from, from someone who's reformed, who's a Calvinist, who, who understands that it's God's work in our lives that saves us. But we are consciously making a decision in following Christ in, in every day. Can my seven-year-old do that? Can my 15-year-old do that? 
is that not as big, if not a bigger decision than whether or not they're going to, going to change their gender, take hormone replacement? And again, I'm thinking out loud here. I, these are the kinds of conversations that I like to have. Um, I'm not telling you that I'm saying we shouldn't allow our kids to get baptized or to do it. One of my kids is baptized. The other one wants to get baptized. Um, and we'll probably baptize him, you know, uh, you know, uh, as long as he does his homework. So, <laughs> but ultimately those aren't, you know, our judgment on whether or not someone should get baptized is not what saves or damns someone. Our judgment is fallible. As Meredith points out, you got to see the fruit. Look at the fruit. Um, and I think we look, we see if there's fruit in their lives, fruit of repentance, fruit of faith. And we go, I can, in good conscience, um, baptize this child or this person. Right. And so um, I appreciate I appreciate Jim's comment. When we acknowledge and believe in God, he accepts the believer. And I 100% agree. But even those of us who are baptizing people take on faith that that's really going on in someone's heart. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's we, we based on both, you know, actual life fruit, but also through them telling us that they've made that decision. They've um, decided to walk that path. And so whether we baptize infants or we baptize believers, there's a lot of faith work going on on everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, whether the pastor is baptizing a baby, a child or an elderly person who has made, had a conversion experience, <clears throat> we are trusting God to walk with this person and that person will be changed continually changed by him. Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah. We are, we are changed and we are being changed. It's, it's, we've been sanctified and we are being sanctified. We are saved and we are being saved. So um, I like, I like, well, just to, just to point out, cause when Jim says, you know, we, when we acknowledge and believe in God, he accepts the believer. But what is that belief attaining? Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's important for us. And this gets into the theology behind um, salvation. But does someone genuinely believe, or are they just because God has saved them? Or are they just believing within groupthink? Right. So because they were raised in the church, because all their family is, is self-professed Christians and they go to church and all this, is it just like, well, this is Hey, it's kind of like graduating kindergarten. It's time to it's time to say I believe in Jesus and get baptized. Is it just simply a milestone in their life that they are doing because it's simply a milestone that they've seen other people in, in their family do, or is it a genuine belief? Um, so that's uh, and again, it's it can be messy at times. Um, Josh has a great question, man. So he says at. Uh, at the same time, I just shifted. Uh, at the same time, I have one kid whose personality is such that she is generous in giving to a fault and would give up everything she had to help someone. I mean, what an awesome kid, right? How many kids are like that? Usually it's the exact opposite. Right. Um, she's always been that way. Is that a sign that she's been regenerate all along? Or is there uh, some other shift of fruit that I should be watching for? Uh I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, if she's doing that and says she doesn't believe in Jesus, then I think you, I guess you know the answer on that one. But I'm presuming that that she also, uh, you know, professes Christ. Um, some people, I do think, have a, you know, based on their personality, based on how they're raised. I don't know if this is Josh's uh, child or if this is, you know, someone that goes to their church. But, um, you know, that can be a reflection of their parents and how they were raised. Um, but I think, you know, first and foremost, you want to know, do they profess Christ and do they have sincere sorrow over sin? So even if they're, even if they're generous, that doesn't mean they're perfect. Um, you know, there's sin in their life. And what is that? And are they actively seeking to repent of it? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. Um, I also appreciate Josh's comment, you know, that uh, there's a danger in trying to be too, 
tie too neat of a bow on the work of God in the world. He's 100% right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's messy. We're trying to figure it out. Um, and hey, you're going to get some right and you're going to get some wrong. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, um, hmm. Joanne says my sinner's prayer at age six was definitely the starting or the start of my spiritual journey. I could have walked either way from there, but as an older child and adolescent, I learned more and grew in faith. I began to understand the commitment I had made and chose to continue in it. I imagine these small children being baptized will have the same opportunity to dig deeper or walk away. Yeah, she's she's definitely right, man. Um, I mean, and praise God for that. Pray, praise the Lord. Um, but that doesn't happen for every kid, right? So, nope. so I think you know, there's there are mountains of six year olds who have probably gotten baptized and walked away from the faith. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there are mountains of six year olds like Joanne. I mean, she's a obviously no longer six, but um, you know, people like in her situation where it, it, it was out of the start of the spiritual journey, whatever that might be. And then they've grown and, and shown commitment towards Christ and, and praise the Lord for that. Um, well, I mean, yeah. and, and you can say there are mountains of people from infant to older that have been baptized and walk away. Uh, yes. 100%. So, I mean, that, that's the reality. And that's where the faith piece comes in, that we have faith that no matter who we baptize at any age, that the Lord is, is at work and that that person's going to yeah, gonna follow through on what they're professing that day. Yeah. And what I try to emphasize, Mike, is, hey, baptism is not a saving work. It's a recognition of the saving work that's already been done in this person's life in their commitment to follow Jesus. It's their identification with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in baptism, that person's committing in this church is committing to walk alongside one another in the faith that we are here for, for uh, God's glory and mutual edification. So if you're unwilling to do that, if you're unwilling to make that commitment, so if your six-year-old or 12-year-old or 15-year-old cannot live up to the commitment of, of okay, I don't want to overstate this, but I, I, so I don't want to say that this is my sincere conviction, but this is how I'm thinking. If the child isn't old enough to make that commitment, then they might not be old enough for baptism. I don't know. Maybe that's the case because that's how I view baptism. It's a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ in his church, to his bride. And if you can't make that commitment, um, you know, that's that's a challenge for. And again, one of my kids is baptized. The other one wants to. So I've kind of wavered on this. Like I've gone back and forth. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. And a couple of months ago, man, I was thinking about baptizing babies, man. So put them in the dunk tank. Hey, in all honesty, that would be a whole lot easier for, <laughs> of a position for me. Oh my goodness. I, I, th- I do think it's, it's less murky uh, when it comes to things like this, but that wasn't why it was just because of my sincere conviction of, of covenant theology and in, right. in the implications. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, uh, are are you going to be baptizing some babies or some kids or? Uh, there's a couple kids that are in the pipe to get baptized. Uh, <laughs> they're in the pipeline. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the water, the tube water slide that we're going to shoot them down and. Okay, Stephen Furtick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I guess, yeah, man. So, like, my son my son wants to get baptized and, you know, I baptized our daughter a few years ago. Um, and like, but I was, I was also her pastor at that time. And now presumably when we do baptize Jackson, I won't be, I might not be a pastor of a church. So it'd be kind of, kind of weird a little bit. So, um, I don't know how he'll feel about that. Yeah. How old is, is, uh, Jackson? He's 11, right? Or 10? He, he'll be 11 in September, so he's like 10 and a half. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, and he cannot recite the Bible, uh, <clears throat> the books of the Bible backwards under 90 seconds. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think there are very few people that can do that. Yeah. Um, Josh said, I love the Pado Baptist position, and I think that what they put forward is beautiful. I just don't see the scriptural support for it. Uh, Josh, I appreciate that. I would recommend the book, but I've packed it away. Um, so remind me later on once I get to my new office and unpack the boxes. But there was a book that nearly convinced me of of pedo baptism, and I think that there's I think there's a compelling argument or compelling arguments for it. Um, but I I wasn't convinced. I was almost convinced. Um. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, Erica, Erica with a, a great story, man. I mean, that's mm -hmm. solid. I appreciate what she has to say. So um, she said that she was baptized at nine years old, rebelled in her early teens, um, deep rebellion towards the Lord, um, and didn't see any fruit until she met Mike. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So it's 15, I don't know if you guys met at 15, oh, but she said nope. at 15 uh, – that changed for so for years she wondered if she needed to be rebaptized as an adult and i can see the hand of the lord in my life all along uh praise the lord for that yeah. and that doesn't i mean i'm not a fan of of rebaptizing people you know if you were if you were convicted like you you want yeah uh, okay cool um but like you were baptized. You signify. So essentially, like this is how I would view it, and maybe this is my covenant theology coming in. Um, I would look at that span between nine and fifteen. Like at age fifteen, it was almost like the fulfilling of the promise that was made at nine. You know, like like you met you entered into a covenant with God, or He entered into that covenant with you, rather. And um, you're like, nope. I'm not fulfilling my end of the covenant for the next five or six years. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's working in your heart and bringing you back to himself. That doesn't mean that you lacked salvation between the age of nine and 14 or nine and 15. Um, it just, that's, that's a, a part of your journey in walking with Christ. So I think that's a testimony mm -hmm. of God's good grace and mercy um, to his glory. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cool. But what do I know, man? Nothing. I'll probably get to heaven and find out, like, dude, you are so off the rails. Mm -hmm. So. Um. And, and see, so both Erica and Meredith are kind of articulating experientially, like, our faith and sanctification is such a, you know, process, not that we're more saved. We are finally decisively saved by Jesus Christ through his work, but our faith walk is so uh, just a myriad of grace upon grace upon grace mm -hmm. that it's often hard to define. Although some people can do it. That is the defining mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. and, and when in reality, I think, and we can, I think even see this in scripture with the stories of people is there are many defining moments in our lives with, with God and how he works in and out and through us. Um, and, and, well, at it, the, and at the end ahead. of the day, it's at the end of the day, it's because God is sovereign and just orchestrates our lives according to his good pleasure and will for, for our ultimate joy in him to glorify himself. I mean, mm -hmm. so, so Mike, my favorite book in the Old Testament, one to read. I don't read it all that often. I wish I would. But maybe I'll start reading it uh, today. But um, Hosea mm -hmm. and, and the story of Gomer and Hosea and how um, <clears throat> we see this essentially a parable, this story that speaks to the work of God in his people and how his people continually walk away and, and essentially whore themselves out. And God continually brings them back, continually brings them back, continually welcomes, uh, welcomes them in. And I think, uh, I think of that, like, no matter, like Gomer and Hosea are no less married, even when she cheats on him, 
even when she prostitutes herself. We're not any less God's children or the bride of Christ when we do those things. We're just not living in light of that covenant. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I think in in those couple of stories, I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all there at some point, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Well, uh, it's been fun. I hope I, I, I hope our, our conversation helps guide you. Yeah. I know <laughs> I'm, I am I am I am yawning like crazy. I it's yeah. Well, at least you you know how I know you're tired, Mike? You're not multitasking and doing uh, doing work in the middle of this thing. <laughs> I don't see you there playing on your on your computer <laughs> and spacing out for long periods of time. <laughs> you're welcome um we do have to kind of give uh matt larkin a hard time a little bit though mm-hmm. uh he initially said that he was going to be on the show today he told that to uh, or at least he said Mike. he would be available to do it mm-hmm. whether or not that led him to penciling it in and then having to cancel is well we're not going to say who but someone more important than us uh essentially trumped his calendar so yes. You know, we just kind of know where we are. We know honestly, we honestly, what we should probably do is go to that more important individual and ask him to schedule Larkin for our show. <laughs> we should be like, "Hey, do you know who we are? <laughs> <laughs> do you? I mean, do you know who we are?" <laughs> um. No, no. I mean, Matt, Matt's one of the busiest guys, man. I mean, the folks at ACGC, I'm not just saying this because Meredith is, is watching, um, you know, Meredith, Justin, Matt, and there are, there are a bunch of other folks that work there at ACGC that don't get um, nearly as much recognition. And I mean, they just work their butts off, man. They do so many different things and they do it at high quality. They do a really good job. So oftentimes when you, give too many tasks to people, they can, um, the quality starts to decrease, but man, I mean, they've just everything, uh, from, from the folks that at least I get to talk with and interact with the ACGC, they're phenomenal, man. So, um, joking aside, I appreciate all Matt does. Um, so Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. I appreciate what Meredith does more, but, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, um, (laughs) <laughs> it's true yeah well she watches the show so, <laughs> so <you know. laughs> All right, man. uh so next week what do we want to talk about next week i have no idea oh that's good so uh, a late night text message uh on monday then sure uh yeah okay M- yeah yeah maybe meredith can come up with a topic meredith you got anything you want us to talk about or josh or anybody else, uh, put it in the comments and, and maybe we'll talk about it next week. So it just can't yeah. be Bruno. We cannot talk about Bruno. <laughs> uh, that did you watch that movie? Yes, I yeah. thought it was really good. I like I, had, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, RIP Bruno Mars because if I were if I were him, I'd be like, man, I haven't heard anything for. Meredith says it was horrid. Whoa. I need to hear this hot take. Maybe <laughs> I missed something, but I only watched like 60% of it to be, to be fair. So, yeah. um, yeah, I came in late. I, I did, I'm, I'm just a sucker for catchy songs. Yeah. Literally no story arc. I'd have to think okay. through that one because I okay. Yeah, I only watched sixty percent of it, so I guess I just assumed <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there wasn't enough high. Uh, I was bored out of my mind. Maybe I was in a bad mood, or maybe it just sucked. Yeah, maybe you know, not everything hits everybody. I mean, Erica says she cries every time, and you guys watch it a lot. She watches it a lot while she's home with the the youngest. Okay. But Erica, are you someone who like cries in every movie? Like, so it's like, just cause you cry every time doesn't mean that somebody else is going to cry every time. 
Mike, you're making faces. Should I have not asked that question? Mike cried too. Oh, what? Oh, is that why you're making that face, Mikey? Never. Oh my goodness! I'm so a sucker. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for for sad tales. If the music and that's exactly it. If the music is right, I can cry. You can cry. Sure. And and every at a commercial. It depends on the commercial. Yeah. So this past oh, Super Bowl, you're so sensey. This this past Super Bowl was the this commercial, this car commercial. I can't remember what it was, but this daughter restores the the old uh, convertible for her dad, and that that brought me to tears. Wow. Yeah, okay. Gonna, All right. Listen, you know what, man? I'm listen, not. I'm, I'm not going to destroy I'm a, my toxic masculinity. I'm. I'm. I'm okay. Listen, I'm not saying that I that there's not the occasional movie that I cry. Okay, uh, I have feelings and, and all that, but um, I didn't see I didn't see an opportunity to cry in 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 that movie. Maybe it was because I didn't watch the whole thing. The the, the moment that got, gets us is like towards the end when they recap what happened to Abuela's husband. And that whole restoration song mm-hmm. and and everything—that's the moment. And then also just the the good feeling when like the townspeople come to help rebuild the house was mm-hmm. just a very moving emotional moment. So, mm-hmm. but you know, to to each to each their own. I had a tear in my eye. I didn't cry, but I had a tear in my sure. eye when Severus Snape died in Harry Potter. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was a tear. Yeah. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Meredith is this really kind and sweet person, and then she's like, "Yeah, everything sucks. I'm not crying at nothing." Um, Erica said, "When when the townspeople come to help rebuild, and when we realize the gifts every person brings, even if it isn't magical, makes me think of the body of Christ." You know what it made me think of when like that happened? I thought, "Yo, this girl got gypped." <laughs> you know, like, like I'm like, man, it, it's almost like uh, if everybody else. So if you want to relate to the body of Christ, all of her relatives were like a major body part. Like one of them was a heart. One was probably a liver, another a lung somewhere where where was a brain. And then she's like, man, I'm a sphincter. Like that was her job. That's the part of body that I am. So uh, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm the sphincter of the, of the body also. I, I wasn't going to say that, Mike, but that's how we feel too. Yeah. Yeah. Dealing with crap all day long. So, so Mike, if, if I were a body part in the body of Christ, what, what body part would I be? <laughs> Thank you. I've been waiting for this question for the past, for the past year. Um, you would be the brain. Oh, that's really sweet of you. I don't believe you. Um, I, I thought you were going to say something like maybe the funny bone or an intestine. Um, you know, a nose hair. But anyway, thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. All right. Um, Joanne says sphincters are really important. Imagine if we didn't have them. Well, if we didn't, we'd be full of um, stuff. So (laughs) that is important. (laughs) Meredith is the toenail. Um, Yeah. So uh, talking about show, we didn't talk about this in the beginning. And and I know we're getting past two o'clock. I have somewhere to be at three o'clock. Mike, very important. How far along are you guys in uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars? Episode two. <sighs> All right, man. You know, I got high blood pressure, man. I got high blood pressure. And, 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 and you know, you had, you... man. Okay. All right. You know what? I love you, man. I can't dictate your time to you. You use right. your time however however you see fit. So I'm not going to make you feel bad anymore about not watching it. You had to finish Cobra Kai, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, I think I stopped watching after like maybe season two. To each their own. Yep. Yep. So we're watching The Good Place now. 
That's right. Oh, did I send you? Oh, there was a. You did send me a text. I think about the good place or somebody else. Yes, a, a meme from the good place. Yeah, I did send that to you. I was because I, I was yeah. trying to remember if you were in the middle of that right now. Yeah, yeah. So I, th we're either at the end of season three or the beginning of season four, and there's only four seasons, so yeah. we're about to finish that. Yeah. And then we're watching Modern Family too. So, oh, we finished. We've finished that too. Modern so. Family is hilarious. It really is. Yeah. 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 Uh all right, man. Well, hey everyone, thank you for joining us. We will see you next week with topic undetermined. We'll maybe we'll talk about sphincters. You know, maybe that'll be our topic next week. Um, because we are very uh there's great interest in sphincters in the comment section. So God bless you guys. We will see you next week. <laughs>